Sorry about the sounds of children, chickens, and cows. I am opening Season 9 of Bionic Planet in the farm country of Mudeta, Kenya. But I recorded this interview at year-end climate talks in Dubai. In Africa, generally, people die a lot. It's like we're just good at this. I met Zorodzai Morviki, also known as Dr. Zoe, at year-end climate talks in Dubai. She's been lobbying for the uptake of industrial hemp in Zimbabwe for over eight years. And in 2017, she launched the Zimbabwe Industrial Hemp Trust. You still find people want to be buried in timber. So you're a dead person and you want to chop down a living tree to be buried and it just doesn't make any sense. And hemp does actually present an opportunity to produce alternative wood that could be used for such purposes. Man may be unwittingly changing the world's climate through the waste products of his civilization. There's a group of us now who are proposing that the Earth has actually entered a new epoch, and that is the Anthropocene. We know that the enemy is carbon, and we know it's ugly face. We should put a big fat price on it, and of course, add to that, drop the subsidies. Earth. We broke it, we own it. And nothing is as it was. Not the trees, not the seas, not the forests, farms, or fields. And not the global economy that depends on all of these. But we can restore it, make it better, greener, more resilient, more sustainable. But how? Technology? Geoengineering? Are we doomed to live on a bionic planet, or is nature herself the answer? That's the question we address in every episode of Bionic Planet, a podcast of the Anthropocene, the new epoch defined by man's impact on Earth. And today we explore the regenerative properties of industrial hemp and efforts to scale it up, perhaps with carbon finance. So I'm Dr. Zorodzai Marubike. I'm from Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. I'm the founder and CEO of the Zimbabwe Industrial Hemp Trust. I'm also currently the president of the Cannabis Industries Association of Zimbabwe. But my primary focus is industrial hemp. My organization has worked with the government for the past eight years in the legal inclusion of industrial hemp in Zimbabwe. I think like every other country, industrial hemp has always been clumped with dangerous drugs and so on. But in Zimbabwe, we have successfully separated industrial hemp from medical cannabis. And our hemp is defined as any cannabis of 1% THC and below. And THC is the psychoactive compound that you find in cannabis. So I would like to say Zimbabwe has one of the most uh, competitive sound regulatory and legal framework in Africa on hemp, which is a great opportunity. And I'm here at the <laughs> COP28. Is this your first COP? It's definitely my first time to participate, but I'm under the Zimbabwean delegates. So I'm an official delegate from Zimbabwe. Okay. Yeah. Are you at liberty to talk about government policies in this area? I'm representing the private sector, of course, but I do work very closely with the Zimbabwean government as a lobbyist and advocate, but a trusted national champion for industrial hemp in Zimbabwe. And coming to COP was really more about understanding this whole carbon markets, because hemp does have a tangible and evident positive environmental impact. And now there's the climate dynamic. Mm -hmm. So it's really more to see how well vest are people with the potential of hemp in proactive climate action. And what I've been finding here is really more reactive climate action. Everyone is talking about the same thing, solar, renewable Mm -hmm. energy, and I'm really more into innovative spaces. I'm excited, but at the same time, quite shocked 
with the level of ignorance on industrial hemp at the COP. Well, I have to plead ignorance as well because that was my next question is what does hemp have to do with climate? Which state are you from? Chicago or from Sh- Illinois, Illinois in the U.S.? Illinois, haven't they legalized hemp yet? They've legalized mm. cannabis, but mm-hmm. the fun stuff. The I know fun stuff. The other stuff I think is always, people could buy hemp ropes and things. That's always been around. Yeah. But I don't understand the climate impact. True. So the climate impact, okay, so hemp, according to studies all over the world, has shown to probably sequester at least two times more than trees per area. It does fortify your soil, so there is soil remediation that comes with that. But then it's also the post-harvest applications that do speak to sustainability in terms of bioplastic, textiles, wood substitutes. Okay. I'll give you an example. I'm very passionate about wood and trees and in my country, we, in Africa generally, people die a lot. It's like we're just good at this, right? And you find that three processes in the existence of humanity, that is when they enter the planet and they leave on the planet and they exit the planet, we are finding that most of our activities are becoming very heavy for the planet. And particularly the exiting part is just right. one example I want to bring out, is that uh, you still find people want to be buried in mm. timber. So you're a dead person and you want to chop down a living tree to be buried and it just doesn't make any sense. And hemp does actually present an opportunity to produce alternative wood that could be used for such purposes because it's a renewable resource, you can grow it in five months. So that rapid growth also allows the maximization of land for food production, especially in developing countries. So when we do plant trees, which is a great thing to plant trees, but we should also be considered that people chop down trees, they clear land because they need to use it to actually produce mm-hmm. food. Per area of hemp, you could actually rotate in all those seven years or 20 years that you are just going to have a tree in the ground, you can actually rotate and actually grow food and do so many other things. So I think hemp is um, definitely colossal in terms of what it can do. Socioeconomic, environmental and climatic impact is real, but nobody's talking about it. And then potentially the carbon credits that you could earn from hemp. So us as the Zimbabwe Industrial Hemp Trust, we have partnered with Climify. With who? It's a com- Climify, it's a company based in the UK, and they have developed a specialized methodology to calculate carbon credits generated from hemp projects. And they're probably the only ones in the world that have managed to successfully come up with a methodology to do the carbon accounting. And this creates an opportunity to increase the revenue for farmers who might actually be growing hemp and even investors and other stakeholders that might be interested in this. A methodology you may recall from episode 81 is a step-by-step process for delivering results. In this case, the generation of carbon credits. A methodology can be simple. I have a methodology for ensuring that my breakfast needs are met. Long before breakfast time, I look in the cupboard and conduct a gap analysis, meaning I look to see what's missing. Then I make sure I have what I need before going to bed at night. The methodologies for generating carbon credits are more involved, and they're created through multiple rounds of expert review and public consultation, as I covered in episode 81, called How to Build a Methodology. I checked into Climify, and they have published a rudimentary methodology, but it's not gone through any sort of public consultation other than a review by Control Union, which is what we call a Validation and Verification Body, or VVB. That review means the proposed hemp carbon standard checks all the boxes that the International Standards Organization, or ESO, requires, but that's just a first step. 
I spoke to Climafi CEO Tim DeRozan, and he says that instead of trying to get certified under one of the recognized standard-setting bodies, they've submitted the hemp carbon standard directly to the Integrity Council for Voluntary Carbon Markets, or ICVCM, for recognition as an independent crediting program. The ICVCM is a meta-standard that grew out of the Task Force on Scaling Voluntary Carbon Markets, which I participated in and which we covered in Episode 64. The ICVCM spent the past few years running an extensive public consultation to develop core carbon principles, or CCPs, which I'll be unpacking this season. Under the ICVCM, an independent standard is called a carbon crediting program, and it has to meet all kinds of procedural and governance criteria to get approved. ICVCM told me that the hemp carbon standard has not completed the application process, and they won't comment on whether they've even begun one, let alone how far along they are. So it will be a long wait before we find out if they can achieve recognition that way. They're not the first to try and develop a hemp standard. Australian project developer Greencollar also proposed a methodology to standard-setting body Vera for generating carbon credits that encourage shifts to hemp for building materials, but the effort bogged down over a lack of consensus on how to account for the long-term storage of hemp in buildings, where the default assumption is that buildings only last 40 years, and you need some kind of framework in place to store the material afterward. Vera is still exploring a way of developing an industrial hemp methodology under their Alternative Building Materials Initiative, but that's a ways off. For details on how standards are created, check out episode 81 of Bionic Planet called How to Build a Methodology with Max Dubesson of Indigo Ag. That's the story of how Indigo Ag persevered through several difficult rounds of review and public consultation to find consensus on two methodologies for climate-smart agriculture, one under Vera and one under the Climate Action Reserve. That episode shows just how difficult these things are. I found a paper from UNCTAD, the United Nations Convention on Trade and Development, called Commodities at a Glance, Special Issue on Industrial Hemp, which I'll link to in the show notes. That paper details the ecological benefits that Dr. Zoe is talking about. It shows how hemp production requires only a small amount of water compared to cotton and how every part of the plant gets used, so there is almost no waste. That paper fleshes out the commercial and ecological benefits that Dr. Zoe is talking about. UNCTAD says the global market could reach $18.6 billion by 2027, or quadruple what it was in 2020. And the paper points to literature dating back to 2011, supporting carbon finance to accelerate that growth. Some would probably argue that the benefits of hemp are so great that we don't need carbon finance to get farmers to switch over to it. But in a few minutes, you'll hear Dr. Zoe appeal for proof-of-concept funding, which could again be a reason to turn to carbon finance. The issue of additionality in agriculture practices is something we also covered in episode 81. We looked at research showing that, because of the risks they already face, farmers need to see something tangible firsthand before they make a switch. Carbon finance often proves critical to nudging something from an outlier practice to common practice, and the ecological benefits of hemp certainly cry out for expansion. And speaking of expansion, I'm hoping to ramp up the show in 2024, which is Season 9 of Bionic Planet. If you like the show and you want more and better episodes, you can help me deliver them 
by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash bionic planet. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash bionic planet. Bionic planet, that's all one word, no dots or dashes. There you can support the show for as little as $1 per episode and with a monthly cap. By the same token, if you're an ethical business looking to reach a global climate-aware audience, you can sponsor the show by reaching out to me directly at steve at bionic-planet.com. That's steve at bionic-planet.com. Finally, you can support the show by giving me an honest five-star review on whichever podcatcher you access me through. That helps because the more stars I get, the more ears I get. And the more ears I get, the more minds I can reach. And we must reach hundreds of millions of minds if we're to meet the climate challenge. We can do it if we all work together. So that's generally why I'm here, just looking also at other innovations. And following the conversations, I'm still stuck with when is the action going to come? Because again, the billions of dollars have been pledged, the promises have been made, but it's then the action. It's then proceeding to execute. And I find also the involvement of women. I did attend a session with Ayata last night. They were talking about the gender credit. And that was quite interesting And coupling that with carbon credits. Does that enhance the value of a carbon credit? So these were quite interesting. The drudgery reduction credit. The what? It's, they also call it drudgery reduction. It, you get credit for reducing the amount of drudgery that women have to go through. Or are you talking about the gender equality one that, that talks about? There's a couple different ones. Yeah, so it was the W plus and they're in about a hundred and something countries. It was one of the okay. sessions that I attended yesterday. It was quite interesting because they're saying it, it's a standalone credit, but it can be, can be added a, to yeah. a carbon credit right. to enhance integrity and value of a carbon credit because the inclusion of women in this whole climate economy and climate discussions has to be taken seriously if yeah. we are going to achieve anything at the end of the day because it's women who are on the farms, it's women who are in the forest. So without women, I don't see how this thing is going to go forward. Without the young people, I don't, think I don't see how the whole climate action and we are really behind time mm-hmm. and uh, anybody who does not believe in the realities of climate change they must be joking because productivity is just going to go down yeah. and of course developing countries are going to suffer the most because it's generally hot and then the planet is going to get hotter yeah, so you yeah. can imagine how difficult it is going to be for them to produce food which Africa produces most of the food a, a whole planet and it's women Mm -hmm. again so you can imagine how difficult it's going to be once these temperatures if they keep going up who's going to really be out in the fields yeah so it's been exciting Mm -hmm. i've learned a lot networking i'm also really trying to understand what other countries are doing and it's exciting that nobody's talking about hemp so i'm actually considering making hemp quite more to bring it out more in the next cop as in hemp for carbon farming maybe as a side event or something a bit more prominent than that yeah 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 it so. should have at least a side event you seem you're excited about carbon markets but yeah, there's a there are some people there's been some bad press there's been some people who i argue are ideologically opposed to markets and then there's also been just challenges in getting markets right do you have any comment on this especially people who maybe because i think that when you get into the legitimate challenges i think there's a, an honest discussion to be had there but when people are just ideologically opposed to markets. Do you have any message for people like that? I do agree Mm -hmm. because I think that whilst we have a problem, 
people have gotten overexcited about profit making mm -hmm. and forgotten about the actual problem and the reason why we are here. Yes, there are opportunities that you could make profit from, but people should not make it about that. And remember, right. we are all here to make sure that we collectively attend to the global temperatures rising. So you find that, firstly, I want to touch on the commitments. People will say we've committed X amount of money mm -hmm. for green projects, for initiatives. And you're thinking, but they want a return on that money. Yeah. How does this make any sense? So it's a business for them. Mm -hmm. Already, this whole, no, we genuinely need to fix the problem. It's not there because some of these projects, they are necessary, but they're not really going to give you a meaningful return. So are you still going to do it anyway? No. So then you realize that it's not sincere, it's not genuine. And then secondly, you have these markets, the brokers, the middlemen, and so on. Again, people are forgetting, they're getting lost in the idea of wanting to use this problem as an opportunity to make money, and they're forgetting about yeah. the whole objective yeah so i have yeah my 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 reservations about some of the markets and what other people claim because yeah. it's really just about profiteering yeah for me it's a real catch-22 because on the one hand you do you need to get the people in who only want the money and you, that's where the keeping the market honest comes into play at the same time if you're doing the kind of carbon that deals with land use, if you're doing it right, you're not going to make a lot of money because by its very nature, you're spreading it out to the people on the ground. And I do get worried about a lot of the venture capital money coming in because you get people who want a big return. If you want that, go into the industrial side, go into carbon capture and storage, but not the land use stuff. Can we talk to about how you're engaging with the government? Because that was one of the interesting things that came out of the Glasgow COP which was a big factor that was missing was the government. Like the, There's this kind of myth out there that people engaged in the voluntary carbon markets don't want government involvement. And actually, as it turned out, they do. They want governments to be at the table. They just don't want them taking over and doing what governments can do. <laughs> well, it's a common problem. I always say that governments should be in the business of government and not in business. Right. So there has to be a balance. And in Zimbabwe, yeah, we kind of saw a little bit of that problem, but they immediately fixed it when, you know, there was an uproar. Okay, uh, can, can you elaborate on that? I think initially government wanted a 50-50 arrangement after right. the saga with the Kariba Red Plus project. And they came out draconian because they were equally shocked. So I think government in its lack of understanding of what really carbon markets are, they initially wanted 50%, but they've revised that to a 70-30, where 30 is supposed to obviously benefit and capacitate government to actually promote the whole climate mm -hmm. resilience and so on. But I personally, in my field, it's new. And what we've been trying to urge our government is that not all carbon credits are generated the same way. So mm -hmm. it has to be a sectoral approach. And uh, hemp is a sector on its own. It's an industry, right. it's an agro industry, and it's got all these multiple, or rather it's a wide array of value chains and applications. What I'm trying to achieve is that I still don't understand. Governments generally always never have money, especially African governments, for research and development, which is the stage that I'm at. Mm -hmm. So I need patient capital. I'm not looking for anybody to tell me they want to give me $3 million. because. But if they're willing to be patient, I'm willing to obviously offer right, them whatever right. it is. I'm young. I'm a woman. I'm in Africa. I don't understand why it's so difficult to raise just $3 million to create a strong foundation for the commercialization mm -hmm. of an industry that could be bigger than tobacco and cotton combined in a country mm. that is struggling to justify its continued tobacco production because we are not able to show how sustainable our tobacco is. But we could if hemp was to then be complemented because it's a rotation crop that could ameliorate some of these deforestation issues because you can use hemp pellets to mm -hmm. cure tobacco. But you need research to actually prove that. Right. So that's the stage that I'm at with my project. Okay, that, that is something we didn't talk about at all was the investment 
You're, so you're trying to raise investment capital. Yeah, I'm trying to Can raise. you give us your elevator pitch here? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to try. So I'm trying to raise $3 million to do a proof of concept mm-hmm. for 10 value chains that I've identified as low-hanging fruits for Zimbabwe, considering our pedigree, a very strong pedigree in agriculture and the current industries we have. So these are products that we're going to export, import substitution, they would create more jobs. And the socioeconomic impact is quite real and it makes sense. But then we can't get to the commercialization mm-hmm. because the knowledge gaps are so wide on the agrotechnical side, the industrial processing product development side, the business modeling and market research itself, and lastly, the climate impact, the climate mm-hmm. aspect. So it's then putting all that together, doing the research with experts, both international and local experts, coming up with comprehensive data, homegrown data, information and intellectual property that then justifies why an investor should put $20 million, justifies mm-hmm. why the government should create better policies for investment, justifies why a farmer should be growing the crop after all, justifies why a manufacturer would buy certain raw materials from hemp from a farmer. So until we have this, there's really no industry to talk about. So I'm a pains trying to raise this $3 million and it's a project that will run for 12 months and we'll be able to gather all this information and uh, probably break even by selling the output, which is right. the raw material to the industries that want to do experiments with the fiber and the grain. So yeah, technically that's where I am. So it's really more for POC, proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that we can... And how if somebody is listening and wants to find out, wants to get a hold of you, how do they find you? So they can hit me up at, I'm going to say, admin. Ad- admin. At. Like administration. Yeah. Yes, admin. Admin at ZW. IHT.com. Is that WIHT.com? Yes. Okay. So they can just send a message and say we're interested. We are looking for patient capital funders who are willing to be part of the bigger picture. And yeah. a person who puts in $3 million for this stage does not put in any more money, but they can benefit majority stake in the commercialization of this IP. Because once we finish, of course, the results are more valuable than $3 million. That's a start. And then we've got investors who are on the fence who are saying, if you've got a ready-to-go project in textiles, or was it bioplastic, or was it paper, I'm willing to put $10 million. So they would pay back that money. But yeah, it's capital raising. It's not easy. No, yeah, because no, you always find the guys... I'm trying to do that for this little podcast, and yeah, it's a lot less money than that. Yeah, <laughs> and they always talk about ROI, their favorite guy, yeah. Roy. So <laughs> it's, I don't know if we just need to mean what we say and say what we mean. Mm-hmm. And I think this climate action is genuinely com- collective. More has to be done on awareness, more has to be done on campaigns that every country just needs to get the small kids, the adults, the women, everybody to really understand there is a big problem looming. And if that's not done, it's just going to be so difficult. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be difficult even if it is done. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Steve. Okay. It was a pleasure. Yes, thank you, Zoritzai. Dr. Zoe is fine. Yeah, that's what I heard. That they were calling you Dr. Zoe and then I Dr. saw you. Dr. Zoe, it's just easier. <laughs> yeah, it is. All right, no Thank problem. you very much. Thank you for having me, okay. Steve. Bye. Bye-bye. Zoritzai Moraviki closing out this edition of Bionic Planet with an appeal for funding, and I've got one too. If you want to see more Bionic Planet in Season 9, you can help me deliver it by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash bionicplanet. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash bionicplanet. Bionic Planet, all one word, no dots or dashes. There you can support the show for as little as $1 per episode and with a monthly cap. By the same token, if you're an ethical business looking to reach a global climate-aware audience, you can sponsor the show by reaching out to me directly at steve at bionic-planet.com. That's steve at bionic-planet.com. Finally, you can support the show by giving me an honest five-star review 
on whichever podcatcher you access me through. That helps, because the more stars I get, the more ears I get. And the more ears I get, the more minds I can reach. And we must reach hundreds of millions of minds if we're to meet the climate challenge. We can do it if we all work together.